The Trend, where you'll get enlightened perspective on trending news and topics with amazing commentary. I'm your host, RTL Faith. Welcome to the podcast. And as always, we breathe the message here that we are here to spread discussion, debate, solution, and overall compassion. Welcome to RTL Rants, and in today's episode, this is what you have to look forward to. And now, compared to then, early 2000s, she said, Nora Vincent, after she did this experiment, in the early 2000s, said women had more privilege then. She said women had more privilege then. Now women have way more privilege than mid-early 2000s. Stay tuned for that as we're going to discuss some very interesting topics. Starting out with Nora Vincent's documentary slash book, Self-Made Man. And she talks about the experiences she had turning herself as a woman to a man. Not the transition, but an experiment to see what it's like to live as a man and be perceived as a man. We also are going to dive into two very stupid scams because these organizations are corrupt. Starting off with Brett Favre being a scumbag and then moving on to some government officials being scumbags in Minnesota. Finishing up, talking a little sports, talking about my predictions for NFL Week 4. Of course, I have a hot take in there, so keep in mind, we're doing a ABC-type Top 10 and starting out with Top 10 Anime. Stay tuned for that. How is everybody doing today? We are back, and this is RTL Rant. Very self-explanatory at this point. This is my opportunity to have a genuine dialogue or discussion about any particular topic. And if the room wants to join, by all means. Of course, this is going on a lot of different platforms. I do want to introduce or I do want to um, kind of inform people that are listening in the podcast that moving forward, I did change the interviews a little bit that are dropping Tuesdays and Sundays. And those changes are going to be focusing on the dialogue a lot more dynamically. So stay tuned for those, of course. And keep in mind as well that when it comes to these RTL rants, they are recorded and they are done on the Wisdom app. So if you have Wisdom, you can check me out over there. The Trend with RTL Faith. A lot of interesting topics, of course, we're going to be discussing. And some very juicy information as well now of course i could talk about the scams and we'll get into the scams and why i'm so hesitant when it comes to charity organizations i've learned a lot about charity organizations some are actual viable people and uh groups that are trying to do good but there are just so many scams out there but before we even dive into that before we even dive into that information I want to talk about something that I learned about relatively recently, and this was called, or this is known as the Self-Made Man Documentary. Self-Made Man Documentary was our book, book slash documentary, you can even find YouTube videos about interviews regarding it, was something created by a woman known as Nora Vincent. Now, Nora Vincent was a woman, Uh, she was part of the LGBTQ, she was lesbian, and for this study, for the most part, she wanted to kind of 
see what it's like to be a man. And by doing that, she's going to spend 18 months living, acting in society, everything as a man. Now, she did do the necessary steps to make sure she was as realistic as possible in terms of the experience. She made sure she took voice classes to make sure her voice was a certain way. Her vernacular was very important to make it more masculine via feminine. She made sure that she had a makeup artist do some makeup on her face, put some hair on her chin, uh, the haircut, the style of clothing. She did every means necessary to make sure that when she's out in public, she is viewed as a man. Now, this was an 18-month experiment of her own volition. And the book was published mid-early 2000s. I don't really remember the exact day. And unfortunately, Nora Vincent did commit uh, self-assisted suicide. The reasoning why, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But it said, she said after this entire experience, she was experiencing depression, of identity crisis. So I'm not going to say that's a one-to-one -one correlation. But I'm just saying that she did experience a lot of... Uh, self-made trauma after this experience and we're going to discuss why that is in a second so she did a lot she did a lot to make sure she was as genuine as possible when she did her this interview and i'm going to go and read quotes from her specifically because i don't want to you know put words in her mouth or anything like this and because what she said and how she said things was so true in terms of the dynamic of how men live their lives versus how women live their lives. And the reason why this is so interesting nowadays is because it seems like there's an ongoing feud between men and women, gender identity, all that stuff. And something like this that happened in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, really shed light that there is doesn't need to be a disconnect. There doesn't need to be uh, negative discourse between men and women. There doesn't need to be this animosity by any means. And this is just an example how when you put your foot in someone else's shoes, you get to really see what the other side is like. And what I really liked on what something she did is she was true to what she experienced, but also true to herself as a woman as well. So we'll dive into some of the things she said, and then I'm going to talk about some of the things or some of my own opinions and about the huger topic, right? So the first thing that she did, of course, is she tried to find a group of friends. And in order to do that, she found a uh, bowling team of men that were bowling every week, once a week, and having fun together. There's a lot of examples of that even in current society. There's a man that are do fantasy football together. There's men that play pickup basketball at the gym. There's always a group of men that you can do fun activities. She went with bowling. She found a group of men. And she was surprised at how willing they were to accept her into the group. How they didn't really ostracize her by any means. Whether she was a bad bowler or not. She also talked about how it was confusing but very apparent that when men speak to each other a certain way you heard it time and time again some men are very aggressive with one another they cuss at one another 
it's just a friendly, manly camaraderie for the most part. It's not anything malicious. It's just friendly chatter. And she found that very unique considering her group of friends versus these male group of friends that she infiltrated for the most part. Another thing that she kind of um, pointed out here, I'm going to make sure I go step by step so I'm not missing anything because a lot of the information that she put out is valuable, valuable insight in terms of her experience. First quote she said about it, I mean, it was just the most wonderful rush to get these guys handshakes, and I felt comfortable. I mean, as comfortable as I could feel right away. They just took me in. No questions asked. She was surprised. And someone also answered a question in regards to finding out that eventually Nora was found out that she was a woman. They were completely fine with it. If I'm talking about from my own personal experience, when I have my group of friends and if someone infiltrated and we're like, oh, I'm a woman, none of us will care. None of us will care. It's not really something that we dawn about. It's like, oh, no, she tricked me all this time. No, it's not a big deal. If you're cool, you're cool. That's how most men are for the most part. Uh, one of the things he said in regards to her expectation, some guy said, I think she expected to find like a bunch of guys just talking about women's private parts, a bunch of racists. They're full of white men, just to give context. And, you know, I think kind of what that's what she came into this thinking. And her response of, after the whole situation of meeting this guy is they really showed me up as being the one who was really judgmental because they were the ones who took me in, not knowing anything about me. They were the ones who made their friend, who made me their friend, no judgment attached. No judgment attached. So that was the first kind of real experience and layout that she had. The entering in terms of men, friend groups. Very different from female friend groups. And her expectation was completely off. Next thing that she decided to do, or the next important thing to kind of lay out, is she wanted to go to strip clubs. Um, it's like the men thing to do. Personally, for me, strip clubs are not my thing. I'm not going to just throw money at women. I'm not, I don't have that innate drive. Sure, I like to do the business and I've done it a lot, but I'm not too into strip clubs. But this is kind of like a stereotype. I know a lot of guys personally that have gone to strip clubs. I've been multiple times. So I can't say she's wrong about that assumption. So she went with a group of guys. Uh, she wasn't feeling it either, even though she's a lesbian. Also, keep in mind, she's a lesbian. She wasn't really feeling it either. She had no urge to, uh, she didn't have any sexual drive. But one thing that she noticed, men versus women, based on her own personal perception, is she indicated at its core, in terms of men urges versus female sexual urges, it's a bodily function. It's necessity. It's such a powerful drive. And I think because we, women, don't have testosterone in our systems, we don't understand how hard it is. Talking about sexual attraction, wanting sex, that stuff specifically. She also indicated here that in this arena, in terms of like sexual activity, women have the power. Another very interesting perspective from Nora. And if I'm being completely honest, 
although it's not an excuse to do anything malicious, men do have physical urges that are purely physical, right? And she indicated it's a testosterone thing. She also said somewhere else, and I want to make sure I catch it, that the difference between men when it comes to like a physical urge versus women is it becomes more of a mentality. Here, this is what she says. I really ran smacking up against the difference between men and female or male and female sexuality. It's that female sexuality is mental. For a man, it's an urge. Is how she put it. That you've heard, probably have heard it. It's more emotional. There's a lot more thinking when it comes to stuff like that. Whereas men, if they get horny, they get horny. Right? So that was the second thing she did that was very meaningful in terms of the insight of men. The next thing, which is the most insightful in my personal opinion, is when she tried to pick up women as a man. She tried to do it. Now, based on when this came out versus dating now, dating has changed tremendously. But what she said is even more true now than it was then. She, she talked about how she went to a bar. You know, people go into a bar nowadays. That's just not a thing. We don't go to bars. Uh, it's all Tinder nowadays or Instagram or all that stuff. So she went to a bar and she tried to pick up women. And she talked about the harshness of being said no. The harshness of being completely rejected Despite being a complete, like in a very awkward situation where you're a stranger, you're in the middle of a crowd of people, you take the time to go over there and you just give out flat rejection, flat out, uh, just not even recognizing your existence. And she talked about how messed up what it was. Let me see what her exact words were. In fact, we sit there and just one word, no, will crush someone, she said. We don't have to do the part where you cross the room in terms of women, where you cross the room, you go up to a stranger that you've never met in the middle of a room full of people and say the first words. And those first words are so hard to say without sounding like a cheese ball or sounding like a jerk. That's what she talked about when it comes to going up to a woman nowadays. Now, in this current generation, our current society, going up to a woman is like just strange now it's on it's foreign territory unless you're innately attractive you got the muscles and all that stuff most women are just gonna deny your existence and be disgusted purely from the fact that you walked up to them so it's even harsher now than it was back uh, back then she does indicate that she did go on 30 dates as ned which is her male name and those were mostly done from the internet tender or whatever was the internet dating site from back then. She indicated that she was surprised that many women had no interest in soft, vulnerable men. I repeat, she indicated she was surprised that many women had no interest in a soft, vulnerable man. She also stated, my prejudice was that the ideal man is a woman in a man's body. And I learned, no, that's really not. 
there are a lot of women out there who really want a manly man and they want his stoicism which is basically being like emotionless not vomiting out your emotions to them very very interesting because you hear it time and time again there's some type of confusion on how men sh should be letting out their emotions and all that stuff i already gave my insight on how to handle emotions but you get all this information and then you, on the other side of the spectrum you get the information to hold it in and from Nora's experience as a man she found that most women which is honestly the reality whether you want to agree with it or not most women don't want an emotional guy not saying all women don't want an emotional guy most women do not want an emotional guy it is what it is it is what it is she also did something um she tried to buy a car with a salesman and she noticed the difference between how a salesman will try to flirt with her versus because she's a man they would be more logical and precise and to the point very innate difference right there telling you the uh innate differences between treatment in terms of a salesman now, obviously if that was a woman it'd be a little different but it tells you that there are inherent prejudice on both sides it's not equal all the way around she also talked about meeting monks and the pressures of being potentially uh being seen as homosexual feminine to uh more catholic or religious groups these people are definitely not okay with stuff like that and the troubles and the pressures of those situations she speaks about how she one of the latter things is that she speaks on the uh how she visited a men only therapy session why was that so hard to get out she visited a men only therapy session where these men were struggling with vulnerability and emotions so this men only they were letting out their emotions for the very first time and she talked about how they don't get to show their weakness they don't get to show the affection especially with each other and so often all their emotions are shown in rage how men are mostly in a very tough situation very angry they talk about very brutal things such as like slicing up their woman and their wives this was back back when but you could, there probably is situations like that they don't mean it but they're just so angry with how everything is going on some of them may be you know actual abusers so i don't even want to indicate anything in terms of accepting what they're saying but it just tells you the rage that a lot of these men who went to these sessions were feeling and she noticed it and the value of the the ability to kind of let everything out uh she talked about her situation when she was out in the woods in a retreat with them and how there was a bunch of angry men and she felt potentially in danger and everything kind of turned out fine eventually and some of her final words in terms of her 18 month experiment is as follows men are suffering they have different problems than women have but they don't have it better she said they need our sympathy they need our love and maybe they need each other more than anything else they need to be together and we'll talk about that in a second 
Ironically, Vincent said, it took experiencing life as a man for her to appreciate being a woman. I really like being a woman. I like it more now because I think it's more of a privilege. So Nora Vincent, who's a lesbian woman who did this 18-month experiment as a man, has indicated that it's more, from her words, it's more of a privilege to be a woman than a man. There's a lot of valuable information here and a lot of stuff that we can break down, of course. First things first, when she talked about how we need to be together, well, you're seeing the cracks in society currently in terms of how men are, how men are kind of since that period men have been shat on more and more and more and the value of the man have been diminishing since that time when she was talking about how men should be given sympathy sympathy how men are suffering it's gotten worse and the fact that she indicated that men need to be together and they need each other well that's how a situation like andrew tate was born and then andrew tate was canceled from every social media platform. Everything she said is completely opposite of how society is going on right now. And these are things that she noticed way back when. The fact that men are told that they can be emotional, but most women don't like emotional men. They want a manly man. It's true today. And women even more so today, don't like you approaching them, period. Back then, okay, you approach them, they don't like you, they say no. Now, you approach them, they will be pissed. They want to, yo, pull the dukes up. How dare you approach me? You see what I look like? How dare you? The perception of man, the confusion of being a man, all these different things going on in current society is very telling. And even this experiment back when, early, mid-2000s, giving you firsthand knowledge how men are treated and the perception of men are misguided from women. From a woman herself who was lesbian, part of the LGBT community, someone like her said this. But currently, it's just, man, you suck. White man, kill yourself. It's crazy. It's completely against everything she did this book for. She wanted to learn more of what it's like to be a man in society. Imagine someone doing that now. Imagine someone doing an experiment where they are completely a man like you don't know anything about them but they're a man just random guy how would that experiment go now it's fascinating what this stuff preaches it's fascinating the perspective she came from and the conclusions she indicated and it's fascinating how the conclusions she came up with the results she found it's completely in line with a lot of what men are craving for in current society, in our current generation. It's why Kevin Samuels got so popular. It's why Andrew Tate got so popular. Men need their role models. Men do need to come together. The 
I the value of man needs to be appreciated more. And now compared to then, early 2000s, she said Nora Vincent after she did this experiment in the early 2000s said women had more privilege then. She said women had more privilege then. Now women have way more privilege than mid early 2000s. It's just crazy when you really look at what reality is showing beyond beyond a screen, beyond social media, beyond first surface level arguments, beyond all of that. What is really going on? Mental health is a big issue. You've been hearing it time and time again. Men do the hardest jobs. Men have the highest suicide rate. Men get convicted the most. Most violent crimes are done against men. Very easy information to access. Despite that information, despite this story from an LGBTQ woman, despite all of that, there's just some innate divide, innate hatred for men. Eventually, I'm going to on my podcast when i do an interview we're gonna have this discussion but it was so interesting to see this book i didn't read the entire book but i read a lot of the important information about the book and it's crazy to see this information it's called self-made man a self-made man by nora vincent again r.i.p like i said she committed a suicide assisted suicide and it's an unfortunate situation but Stuff like this, it was appreciated that she talked about it. Definitely appreciated that she spoke about this information. So that is our first topic of the day. And we're going to dive into another topic that, again, is not fruitful in terms of what is going on. And that is one of the idols of man against i guess he's a manly man to the fullest he is a hall of fame quarterback who's known for throwing touchdowns and throwing interceptions well this time he threw money to a volleyball arena for his daughter by scamming so many people i'm talking about brett Favre, Brett Favre, former quarterback of the Jets, the Packers, and the Vikings, has been caught. It's a very unfortunate situation, but we're going to talk about it. It's based in uh, Mississippi is when this stuff actually happened. The Mississippi welfare scandal. Now, initially, he tried to say that I didn't know anything about what was going on. I thought this was for a good cause, but text messages have been released indicating that he is a liar he is capping so let's read the text messages so text messages from brett Favre with nancy new who was part of this welfare scam in mississippi she indicated let me check something okay brett Favre said if you were to pay me is there any way the media can find out when it came from and how much 
So this is him asking. This has happened in 2017, by the way. This is him asking, hey, can the media ever find out? She said, no, we never had that information publicized. I understand you being uneasy about that, though. Let's see what happens on Monday with the conversation with some of the folks at Southern. Maybe it will click with them, hopefully. Okay, thanks. Wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant. He's on board with us. We will get this done. Awesome. I needed to hear that for sure. This is text message. Um, if there's more, then it is what it is. But this is indicating that Brett Favre knew exactly what was going on all the time. The entire time. And at least $5 million was scammed from the Mississippi welfare system. He scammed these funds out of the welfare system and used it for his alma mater, Southern Miss, to build a new facility, volleyball facility, for his daughter. Call me corrupt. This is a first-hand situation of how corrupt the governmental system can be. And how some of these millionaires, no matter what, if they idolize them or not, can be completely and utter scumbags. At least $5 million taken from the state welfare fund. You know what welfare is used for? It's used for the unfortunate who can't pay for their circumstance. Now, the question of welfare, you know, whether it's something that people need in American society is a different question. Well, what we do know is people don't need a $5 million volleyball court stadium for some women's volleyball. That's what we know for a fact that Mississippi does not want. Also, Mississippi, if you did not know, is the poorest state in the United States of America. So this guy said, screw everybody, period. So there's some question on whether or not Brett Favre can face some prison time for this Mississippi welfare scandal. It's unclear. They're still looking up more and more information. The question is, should Brett Favre should be taken out of the Hall of Fame is also up in the air. Um, but that also plays into the aspect of separating the art from the artist. Should you separate the art of him being a quarterback and his career as an NFL athlete from him being a scumbag after football and outside of football? Should you take away his Hall of Fame credentials because of him being an utter scumbag? That's why the conversation of the art versus the artist is so nuanced. It really depends on where your values lie. Like, R. Kelly's a pedophile scumbag. But will you listen to your his music whenever uh, on some random day? Brett Favre is a scumbag who hates the poor. But would you watch some Brett Favre highlights and accept that he's in the Hall of Fame? Now, the art of him playing quarterback in football. The accolade and the achievement of being in the Hall of Fame, the recognition you get from it. You could argue you could take that away. Recognition, appreciation, he doesn't deserve any of that. He's, it, everything he's done should stay as is, you may be able to argue. Very nuanced conversation. Uh, because at the same time, we got Michael Vick, right? Michael Vick had the entire scandal. He went to prison, everything with the dog situation. Where, you know, he had like a the dog fighting rink and all that stuff. Uh, there's plenty of other examples of scumbags out there in sport doing terrible things. Um, 
I mean, even recently in basketball, we got the Ime Adoka cheating on his fiance, wife, whatever, was the VP's wife, and that a whole weird situation. So you got a lot of situations where it's like, okay, you're doing scumbag material, but, you know, should we separate that, you being a scumbag, versus your uh, talents, right? Your talents. Hard, hard line to find. Um, he said that he did indicate that he repaid $1.1 million in funds that were given to him for speeches that he was going to do for the fund, but never did. He never did a single speech. That was all cap. And he apparently he owes more than $225,000 in interest, etc. 13 felony courts. Like, Brett Favre is a scumbag. Pretty clear, pretty uh, noticeable at this point in time. Will he get jail? They need more evidence. Should he get taken out of the Hall of Fame? Very weird situation. Overall, what we do know is Brett Favre hates poor people, does not like them at all, and would put a $5 million volleyball stadium on a homeless shelter. <laughs> Yo, Brett Favre don't like it. He gets it. He tells his daughter anytime you see a poor person spin on them. That, apparently, that's what happens. I'm, 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 it's a joke, but it's, I don't know if he does that. I'm going to be surprised, but I don't know if he does that. So that was a Brett Favre situation. Big, big scam with the uh, welfare scandal. And crazy enough, that's not even the biggest scam that has happened this year. We're going to talk about another scam, which is even larger. It's crazy. What is these government officials doing? Do they hate people? Yes. They don't want to take your money. That's all it really is. But before we get into that, we're going to do the medium situation hot take. Hot take in between both segments. The fun little thing I'm going to do. And for the hot takes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a hot take top 10 from A to Z. So a topic from letter A to letter Z, quick top 10. And the first hot take top 10 I'm going to have is my top 10 anime. Yes, you heard me. Anime. Top 10 anime. Here we go. Number 10, Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga is fire. It Even though it's only one season, the story, the character writing, the animation is all very, very well done. And the twist at the end was perfect. Askeladd, mm, growth, character development, perfect. Number 9, Katakeo Hitman Reborn, it is a shonen series that is very slept on, but has one of the very more interesting power systems, designs, and groups in terms of the Bongil family that I've ever seen. It is uh, two, 100 plus, 200 plus episodes. Fire. Everybody that I know watched it said it was amazing. Characters amazing, battles amazing, story not amazing, but good enough to make it interesting. Great job. Number eight, Death Note. Death Note is the pivotal anime series that has one of the most dynamic rivalries between Light Yagami and L. Fantastic, very easy to watch, mind-blowing when you see it, really good. Number seven, Bleach. Bleach, even though it's not as good as the other two big three members, has some of the greatest fights, some of the most cool, interesting characters. It deserves a shout. 
Glad Bleach is coming back. Six, Code Geass, greatest anime ending of all time, one of the greatest in GOATs in terms of protagonists. Number five, Naruto. Naruto's story is way better than Bleach. I stand by that. And it's so good in terms of the characters, the feeling behind everything that's going on, and the journey of Naruto and Sasuke. Four, Gintama. Hilarious, great action, great characters, great plot underneath all the parody. Number three, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, ultimately widely considered the greatest anime of all time on my anime list. Very solid, nearly perfect in every way. One Piece, number two, One Piece is the GOAT. And number one is a personal subjective favorite, Attack on Titan. Gets way too much hate, but one of the more unique and best stories that I've ever read in terms of manga and anime. That is my top 10. That is the hot take for today's episode. Moving on to the next segment, we're talking about another scam. And this happened in another state that starts with M. And that is Minnesota. So Minnesota had a recent scandal, a recent scam uh, regarding a $250 million COVID spending fraud. 48 people were charged and indicted based on this recent situation. 48 people involved and they're still searching. Some very notable people that were involved in this situation. And I quote, let me check and make sure I find it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Got to make sure I get their names correct because they got very interesting names. And I quote, some of the individuals where I just saw that. Okay, here we go. Amy Bach was at the center, executive director. She was a scumbag. She is a scumbag. Um, some other people that were involved were, who was some other people? Oh, here we go. Abdi Sala, former senior policy aide to Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey, and Sharmek Issa, former board chair of the Minneapolis Public Housing Authority. Two very important people, as you can see, involved, involved in this terrible fraud. $250 million. And it came from this organization, this charity called feeding our future that was supposed to be something that fed needy children what it actually ended up being is a front to pay for cars luxury goods jewelry and property in the usa kenya and turkey they said i'm gonna find images of children on the internet posted it on their page using some site Maybe it was GoDaddy. Maybe it was something else. But they did this. Said, hey, look at the picture I found of a starving child. Donate to me and over around at least $250 million of funds, not only from random people, but from the government, because these are federal funds as well, was scammed out of them from this program. Scammed over... 
125 million meals. Created fake rosters of children that were in need. Fake. Random names. They got a children name, baby name generator and kept on pushing. Generate. Here we go. Generate. Here we go. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. I agree. Claim they claim to be feeding two thousand children daily. Uh this and just was lying the entire time. It started around 2019 or 2018, 19 area. It was initially $3.4 million in funds and raising all the way around $200 million. Now, obviously, Feeding Our Future has been shut down now, but still, that is crazy. Now, fortunately, they've seized around about $50 million in assets, but that still doesn't cover... Near even half of the amount of money they scammed out of the people and the government. It's insane. This is why, this is one of the reasons why I have such a problem with these large charity organizations. Because you never, na you never actually know where this money is going to. And that's very valuable information, whether you believe it or not. The reason why this is important is because we got organizations that we've seen popped up in the last like two, two, three years that people that are benefiting, manipulating, screwing with people's emotions, people's ignorance, and pocketing off of it. We got people like Black Lives Matter uh, getting millions of dollars and creating uh, saying that, oh, we're about to help the black community and purchasing million-dollar mansions. We got people like Dr. Umar, who's literally just a meme, but he gets, I don't know how much money, but he said, I'm going to build these schools, never built these schools. He's pocketing. You're paying for his house, his apartment, his rent, his car. We got so many organizations like this out there. And I just named two scam, a welfare fund and this COVID feeding our future fund. There's even more scams out there saying you're helping me for this. But actually, you're paying for my rent. It's absolutely ridiculous. These charity organizations, these funds are scams. Now, not all of them are scams. By all means, I'm not even, not all of them are scams. But even with the more legit ones, right? There is so much nuance that people don't realize behind these organizations. One, very, a lot of rich people use these charity organizations as a write-off so they don't have to pay taxes. So it's a front. Yeah, it may be helping people, but realizing there's an ulterior motive. And as soon as that motive goes away, the charity will disappear. There's also the essence of a lot of these organizations that are supposed to be helping, like, for example, another country in terms of their situation is actually crippling them because they are not self-sufficient and they can't become self-sufficient because they're given free stuff. That's even apparent in America. And it has been proven to be very huge detriment, not only to unfortunate communities in America, but other more uh third uh developing countries 
This is a fact. Look it up. So even with the legit charity organizations, there's a whole lot of flaws to the system. Sure, you could be helping someone in the short run, but the problem is the overall bigger picture, right? The overall bigger picture is something to be looking at. Not only do you, you're at risk of a scam organizations, but also the aspect is that the organization itself, even though it's a good cause and backed by good people, could be actually more detrimental than good. Again, not saying all organizations are like that. I think there's quite a few that actually do actual good to for their community, for the people that they're helping. There are people who are actual good people that are doing some good things in the community. And I'm not even saying you shouldn't donate to any charities. All I'm saying is look into it. All I'm saying is get more information. All I'm saying is verifying where your money is going to. Do not blindly support an organization, a charity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just because it looks good. Just because it hits every box in terms of your emotional response. Do your research. This is your money. You never know where it truly may be going. That's why I've all that's again, that's why I have so much trouble with these organizations that are not built out of a specific agenda or let me be more precise they're not built off a specific plan but just purely off an ideal or idea or whatever which is right I'm not really sure so again another very unfortunate circumstance very unfortunate indeed Okay, with that said, we're going to move on to our final segment. This is sports-related. If you care about sports, you're going to care about this. Now, of course, uh, when it comes to me, I did do a full-on week three predictions for the NFL. Now, I actually was 7 out of 16 I got correct. Let's see if we could do better. 7 out of 16. That's a little bit less than half. Not ideal. We need to do better. Um, I got the Steelers-Browns right. Panthers-Saints. I'm not going to go through all of them. Let's just say some of them did not see coming. Like the Dolphins-Bills, the Chiefs versus Colts did not see those coming. Um, I did get the Seahawks beating the Falcons right. You know, I'll give my pat on the back for that. But, yeah, it was it was tough. So with that said, let's do predictions again and see if we can get the next week correct. Bengals versus Dolphins. This is a tough game, but Tua may not play. But with that said, I think the Dolphins will eventually get figured out. And I think the Bengals have finally figured out themselves how to play football again. I'm going to give the, better, the Bengals the benefit of the doubt and say they come up with a W. Vikings versus Saints. Um, the Saints lost to the Panthers. They don't deserve a win here. Vikings, you better win. Je get Justin Jefferson the ball. Browns versus Falcons. The Falcons actually have been very good, but I think as long as you give Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb the ball, you should come out with a victory. Although, Miles Garrett, hoping you're feeling better, don't know if he's playing that game. Bills Ravens will be very tough, but I do think, even though Lamar Jackson has been playing out of this world, 
now that he's about to play a legit defense, he may struggle a little bit, especially if he's down. If he starts coming from behind, then it'll be tough. I think the Bills win. Washington Cowboys. Cooper Rush somehow won two games. Don't know how he plays Washington. Carson Wentz has been looking sus again. The defense has been looking kind of sus as well. Um, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs have been doing their job. At Cowboys, I'll give it to the Cowboys. Lions, Seahawks, Lions, I'm going to give you the Lions. Lions have been very good, although DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown don't know how if they're playing, so we'll see. Chargers, Texans, Chargers should win that game. If they don't, they're trash. Titans, Colts, whew, this is a tough one. You got Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry all, both playing very subpar. Colts beat Chiefs out of luck. Titans actually looked very good against the Raiders, giving Derrick Henry the ball with the play action. All that stuff. I at Colts, I'll give it to the Titans. Giants, Bears. If you give Khalil Herbert the ball, even though like inherently I'm a Giants fan, I still am so unsure. The Bears defense is really good. I'm gonna give it to the Bears. Jaguars, Eagles is a tough game. Jaguars have been playing lights out. Eagles have been playing lights out. I'm gonna say upset alert. Give it to the Jaguars. Jets, Steelers, Zach Wilson comes back. Zach Wilson beats the Steelers. Unless TJ Watt comes back, but I don't think he is. Cardinals, Panthers. Panthers suck. Cardinals win. Patriots, Packers. Mac Jones is not playing. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win. Broncos versus Raiders. Russell Wilson has been dog doo-doo. And Devontae Adams needs to get the ball. Raiders win. They better win. Chiefs, Buccaneers. I'm going to give it to the Chiefs because I don't like Tom Brady. And Rams, 49ers. I'm going to give it to the Rams because Jimmy G is dog water. So that is my predictions for the week four let's see if i'm correct moving on when we have our episode next week last any last things well let's kind of uh it's kind of all we got for today's episode appreciate you guys joining rto rant as again let me try to reiterate i do episodes on uh wisdom app if you use wisdom i record my episodes there and of course it's going to be published the yada is going to be published on a lot of different these platforms spotify apple podcast so if you are there make sure to give a rating leave a review so i can read the review on our episodes so hope you guys enjoyed it y'all have a good one have a conversation with someone have a debate with someone have a discussion hopefully some of these topics were enlightening take care peace thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode just a reminder to never miss an episode If they publish Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday at 7 a.m. EST. So if you're driving to work or you're working out, tune into the podcast. Also consider visiting the website, www.thetrendwithrtlfaith.com and leave a review so I can personally thank you for your support to the podcast. So again... Thank you so much for listening. And remember that solutions can only really be made through proper conversation and discussion. Take care.